you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. April 26th, and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Health IT. And as with every episode, we start off this one saying that the intent audience is everybody. So I hope you guys have been doing well. And this week, there's actually not a lot of news that's going on right now. So I guess we'll just get right into it. But just be aware, this might be a shorter episode than normal. So Marin General now spends $15,000 instead of $400,000 to protect its printers from cyber attacks. So what do I mean by this? So printers are actually a vulnerability and they have a lot of like uh, issues with it where it, it allows holes for people to get through and then uh, create cyber attacks, right? So, so Marin General, they went with this company that they've already had a relationship with and it's called Symphion. And what they do is they basically do what's called cyber hardening of the printers. And what the cyber hardening means is that it removes vulnerabilities, it removes like gaps and holes in the security so that it increases the security of the system, making it less vulnerable to cyber attacks. And basically when they were doing an assessment of their 1000 printers with, you know, over 60 different models, they calculated that if they did what Symphion does by themselves through all 1000 printers, it would actually cost them about $400,000 per year. And by signing with Symphion, they actually were able to reduce that cost down to 15000 So it's a really cool win for them to be able to save that much money to increase the security on their printers to prevent cyber attacks from happening. And as you know, with the healthcare landscape, cyber attacks are very, very crucial to prevent. All right, so the next news item is Croatia. They, they are joining the e-prescription exchange pioneers. So basically, they are being the fifth country that's ready for cross-border exchange of e-prescriptions. And just to back up a little bit on that, right now with Finland, Estonia, Luxembourg, and uh, Czechia, they are all interchanging the information that medications prescribed for the patients. This is actually going across border, which is really, really great because it's allowing people who go between the countries to have a history of all the prescriptions that they've uh, they've been taking. And not only that, but it's like sharing e-prescriptions and also their patient summaries. And, you know, having all this information being exchanged between countries so that people who travel between the countries, their doctors will have the most complete information they can to provide the best care for these patients. So the next news item is Mayo Clinic and Arizona State University. They're, they picked the uh, six startups for Health IT Accelerator. So just to back up a little bit, the Accelerator program is so that they can help with developing business plans for startups and basically optimize the products or the services or, you know, licensing the intellectual property and even like sponsoring the research or the studies that are needed to get these startups going. So they recently announced that they picked the six startups for a healthcare IT accelerator. So like I said, there's six. So there's one that is in San Francisco. It's called Giant. And they're basically using artificial intelligence and it combines with messaging. And they also have medical experts on their team. So basically, they're trying to create a startup where it's going to improve the diagnosis and treatment of conditions or, treat or or disease states that are not considered urgent, but more of like a chronic condition. There's also another company that they uh, have chosen, which is Biointeractive Technologies. And there's a bunch of wearable devices that this company would actually work with. And it's for the hand and the wrist therapy for basically rehab and sports medicine. And then there's the, another company called Hexoskin. And they actually produce really something really cool. It's a wearable shirt and it has sensors in that shirt and it uses artificial intelligence, machine learning to kind of pull data from uh, how the biometric data is and uh, pull analytics from it. So it connects it to like this patient monitoring platform so that they can monitor 
different aspects of the patient by wearing this t-shirt. Securisin is another one where they are sponsoring. It's a medical device that provides airway stability for ventilated patients. And another company that they are sponsoring or they've chosen for this accelerator is the developer of a sexual health application called SAFE. And this actually provides low-cost testing. And then there's also information sharing and education for the consumer or for the patient in terms of practicing safe, uh, safe practices. And finally, they have something called Life365. And they chose this because this company is very focused on the consumer at home. And it has an operating system that supports wearable technology and even software. And it integrates with hundreds of different medical devices. So by choosing these six companies, the accelerator will help advance with artificial intelligence, wearables, and engaging consumers both at at home and, you know, in the workplace or anywhere else. So the next news item is German Pharma Group, Bayer. I'm sure everyone knows what Bayer is. They, you know, the Bayer aspirin, come on. So everyone knows that. So they are trying to draw digital health startup corporations through their G4A partnerships. And if you don't know what the G4A partnership is, according to their website, G4A is a global team of intra and entrepreneurs with presence in 35 countries enabling positive disruption in the digital health and care industry. And they say that they do this through new business opportunities and partnerships anchored in behavioral science. So why is this a news item? So before the G4A, or it's actually called the Grants for Apps program, they actually had three different types of funding programs. It's one is the Accelerator, another one's called Dealmaker, and another one's called Generator. So this isn't the news today is because Bayer actually consolidated all three of them into just one type of funding. So when anyone tries to apply for a grant for the G4A grant, they only have one opportunity now. And in addition to that, they also need to submit a letter of intent. So what do I think about this? I think it's actually okay because before when you have a segmented across like that, then you kind of, it's kind of hard for people who try to apply for the grants to to figure out where they want to apply to, right? So by consolidating it, they're just like, okay, digital health, G4A, I'm going to apply to that. And so it's a little bit easier on that side. There may not be as many perceived opportunities because it's all consolidated now, but at least it makes the application process easier by not having to choose between which funding to actually apply for. All right, so the next headline is Boston Children's and More Health Partner to Advance Physician Collaboration. So the company More Health, they are a company that is, they're kind of focused on cloud-based physician collaboration. It's a platform. It basically connects the patients attending doctors with uh, physician specialists to kind of jointly work together and collaborate with diagnoses and then, you know, formulate a, a optimal treatment plan for the patient. So Boston Children's Hospital have partnered with More Health and is basically giving patients in China access to the physicians and services of the hospital through More's physician collaboration platform. So this is a big win for pediatrics, uh, especially at, you know, Boston Children's, because now more providers are able to have access so that they can provide that collaborative care to the patient. Having multiple minds, it's kind of like getting more than second opinions. And the collaborative nature of working together to diagnose someone can potentially increase the accuracy of it. And then also kind of consider all the different options, all different treatment plans that can be given to that patient. So this is a good opportunity for better patient care in general and also more collaborative practices between physicians and specialists. All right, so the next news item is Vanderbilt's AI-powered EHR voice assistant saves time for caregivers. So this one is actually pretty cool. So Vanderbilt University Medical Center, it's a very, very large academic medical center in the Southeast. It's located in Nashville, Tennessee, and they serve uh, both primary and specialty healthcare needs 
for a lot of patients in the Mid-South and, uh, you know, throughout Tennessee. So this tool that they have, it's the uh, Vanderbilt AI-powered EHR voice assistant. So it's called Viva, V-E-V-A for Vanderbilt EHR voice assistant. It actually uses artificial intelligence and it actually also uses natural language processing. So they were, they created this after, you know, the popularization of Siri and other voice assistants out there. What's really cool about this is that, let's say, for example, a nurse asks the weight of the patient, right? The voice assistant is smart enough to know to not only give the weight that the nurse asks, but also to infer that, oh, maybe this, uh, this nurse needs to know previous weights and then needs to trend the weight. So the voice assistant will tell her the previous weights, and then it will also show on-screen graphics to probably try to trend and chart the weights so that they can see on screen. So that's really cool. And it's one of the homegrown software applications that's not very common nowadays, but Vanderbilt has found quite a good amount of success with it, with uh, with the caregivers. So basically, when they looked at it, they looked at the, sa- the time savings that, ha- that happened. It basically reduced a lot of the clicks per question. So it translates to about what they found was a 15% improvement in task time savings. And when you're thinking about, you know, how many patients are seen a day and how many hours are spent, you know, just navigating the EHR through clicking here and there to answer questions, 15% can be a lot. And that 15% of time can be used to see more patients, right? So, so this type of AI powered voice assistant shows a lot of promise for you know, probably implementing it at different facilities as well. All right, so the last news headline that I have is connected devices and legacy systems leave hospitals wide open to cyber attacks. So as you know, healthcare, healthcare systems are being attacked a lot through cybersecurity threats. So Vectra, which is a company that focuses in on networks and security, they released a study that monitored six months of traffic that looked into which are the most prevalent methods that attackers use to gain control and access to PHI. And what they found was a lot of it is in connected devices that don't have proper access control and also legacy systems that also don't have the ability to to be protected by the newer security measures. And a lot of the legacy systems, it's also very hard to patch because, you know, a lot of these are hospitals, health systems, so they are operating on 24-7. So it's hard to actually create a downtime that's long enough for, you know, having such a major patching of it to meet the standards of today's cybersecurity protections. So this is kind of surprising to me because I was always thinking, you know, we always hear about the ransomware attacks that's been happening in healthcare systems. So what they actually found was that ransomware attacks in recent years were not actually as prevalent versus, you know, internet connected devices and legacy systems. So I guess that also kind of makes sense, but it is a little bit surprising because of how the media has portrayed all these different attacks. And, you know, I think it's also with time, people are more aware of the ransomwares that now it's not as prevalent as before. So before we go, if you'd like to check out more news on healthcare IT, you can check out great curated articles at healthcareitnews.com. It's actually where I go for daily healthcare IT news to keep myself updated on what's going on in that world. All right, if you guys like this episode, you guys can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter or Facebook at PharmacyITME or our Instagram at Pharmacy Informatics or by emailing me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. And I wanted to plug a great networking opportunity. I have already talked about this, but I'll say it again. It's Pharmacist Connect. If you guys are familiar with Slack Workspace, think of it as a vetted one through Slack Workspaces. So uh, you actually have to have a pharmacist license that gets vetted by the person in charge of the group so that everyone that's in the group is a vetted person. 
And it's a great networking opportunity, and I've actually met a lot of great colleagues on it. There's also different channels for different focuses, like, you know, community or hospital or informatics. So it's great to network with other people through there, too. And you guys can find out more by visiting PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal. (laughs) 